0: Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome to Season 4 of Devotions in the Deep End. Our passage for this episode will be Luke Chapter 13. Verses 10-17 to On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Much earlier in our journey, episode 9 in fact, we looked at the idea of Jesus calling himself the Lord of the Sabbath. That was in his first year of ministry. He was beginning to establish who he was, and the nation was only just getting acquainted with him. Back then, we read how Jesus supposedly violated the Sabbath day by plucking corn to eat and by healing a demon-possessed person who was sitting in a synagogue, but we know that he was to some degree being made a political plaything by people around him. We saw even then that the Pharisees would begin to plot how they might kill off Jesus for messing with their system like that. Now, we are two years further into the journey, and these religious folks still won't correct their view of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a day prescribed in the law of Moses for Israel to stop doing all work and rest their bodies and rest in God. It wasn't a day off for sports carnivals or holidays like it often is now because those things would involve labor of some degree. All there was to do on a Saturday was to go and rest in the safe haven of their local synagogue. They would hear some instruction, and some may even just feel good because they were doing right by God and ticking the right boxes and believing that all would be well. And on this one particular day, Jesus gets given the task of presenting the teaching. And by now, you'd think these synagogue leaders knew better. It was almost certain that Jesus would turn their gathering on its head, and we've read that he did just that here. In this particular synagogue gathering, Jesus is speaking, but then he becomes aware of a woman in their midst. From the podium, he can see that she is trying to look the part, but there's a whole heap of discomfort and agitation coming out of her. From his vantage point, he can see that she is not all that keen to be there that morning. According to Luke, it was a spiritual issue going on here, which he describes as the reason for her physical limitations. He himself was a physician, so he was qualified to be able to speak into this, and he has identified the need of the woman as something outside of his own skill set what he describes as both physical and spiritual. Now, don't quote me as an authority here, but I do find myself wondering if this may have been more akin to what we might call less spiritual nowadays and perhaps more psychological. I wonder if we may understand the situation better if we looked at it that way. In any case, every week, like a good Jewish person, this woman that Jesus calls a daughter of Abraham has made the weekly trip to the synagogue meeting. For 18 years, we read. Every week, she turned up for rest. Every week, she came in the hope of her burden being lifted. But every week, her spiritual need and burden was being ignored. Frankly, mere religious thinking is powerless to do anything to help someone in her situation. And for this woman to move forward, she needed Jesus to get involved with her Sabbath day. We read that as this happens, the burdens were lifted. The trauma, the depression, the messiness, the grief, the cause of her agitation, the internal issues of her life that were now even affecting her physical well-being were lifted for good. But sadly, the one time this daughter of Abraham came along and actually had her deepest, most spiritual need met, it was met with controversy and contempt. Jesus goes on to tell us about the response of the synagogue ruler. Hey Jesus, you've got six other days in the week to do all that healing stuff. And all you synagogue members, you've got six other days to line up and get that sort of ministry. Today is all about honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy and reverent. There are rules about how today goes down, and Jesus, your work is breaking those rules. I am ordering you to stop this now. One of the things we talk about a lot nowadays is this thing called congregational health. Many denominations have consultants who interact with local churches and examine the ministry they do. Among other things, they will be examining elements such as the systems and the procedures and the culture of a church. They will look for evidence of mission and discipleship in the congregation. They will look for an able skill set in its leaders. They'll examine elements that are widely considered healthy traits in the life of any local church. The best person to gauge this, of course, is Jesus and he has a front-row seat to a local congregation in this passage, and he is able to determine a lot of things about its health while he's there. And it is not a glowing assessment. It appears they were unwilling to get messy with people in their midst. They claimed to know the all-creating and all-powerful God, but they themselves were not accessing that power for the sake of this woman. And to top it all off, they got indignant when her need was met because it was done in a less-than-reverent way. When a faith expression becomes so tight and so closed that nobody can get real with where they are at in their congregational setting, poor health is most certainly emerging. Where the power and work of the Holy Spirit is suppressed in the gathered space, poor health is forming. When a congregation rolls its eyes at the difficult people who walk in the door, who make the place messy as they grapple with their stuff before God in their midst, Poor health is forming. When we read the Gospels, we clearly see that Jesus did some of his best work on the Sabbath. It was a great environment to reveal himself in a deeper way because the people were paused enough in their life to take this sort of thing in and ponder it with less distraction. For the Jews, the attention to godly things was at a higher point on the Sabbath than on any other day when work and life got in the way. Through Jesus, religious mindsets were challenged the most on the Sabbath. Some of the really great miracles were performed on the Sabbath, and some truly amazing revelations came out in Jesus' Sabbath day teachings. We see in the Gospels that when Jesus is truly present on the Sabbath, great things can happen, and all that other extracurricular religious thought simply needs to get out of the way or be challenged by Jesus. A congregation comes to life and returns to health when Jesus is front and center and welcome to do what he pleases whenever the people gather. Now, we need to get practically contextual here. For those wondering, there are loads of reasons why we don't have a Sabbath per se, but we do still observe a weekly sacred time of rest and worship. The Sabbath was observed by the church in the early part of the first century because the first Christians were Jews and understood the link between the two. Jesus did great work on the Sabbath and utilized that day as a time to reveal himself. But he doesn't appear to go out of his way to reinforce the practice of the sabbath the same way he reinforced the other nine commandments. Perhaps this is simply because he knew what would come when the gospel went worldwide. The sabbath day did change for Christians at a relatively early point for a number of reasons. The first being that believers were often ejected from synagogues and ostracized from the greater Jewish community. But they were still feeling compelled by the New Testament writers to continue to meet together. The threat of being ejected began during the ministry of Jesus. Another reason was the amount of Gentile converts who had no ties to the Jewish faith at all. Even today, it is stated that Gentiles are not permitted to practice the Jewish Sabbath the way they do, because the likelihood that we'll mess it up is just too much of a risk. Having an alternate time to rest, to focus on God and receive instruction, is permitted even in Judaism for Gentile folk like us. And meeting on a regular basis is highly endorsed in the New Testament and should actually be observed with greater diligence the more we see the end coming. So with all this in mind, I have no problems linking the Sabbath practices of Jesus in this passage and his interaction with that congregation with our modern practice of Sunday worship. With all that said, how healthy is your gathered space in comparison to the congregation of our passage? Can we all get real on any given Sunday, knowing the burdens of life can be lifted in that environment? Can you let your religious thinking get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit of Jesus do what he does? Can your local church handle a bit of messiness and actually celebrate when someone pushes through in their faith? Can the daughter of Abraham have her needs met in your congregation? That idea by itself was actually quite deep. It spoke immediately about the covenantal relationship between God and the woman in question, but it was also seen as a sweeping statement. The first century Jews knew of other literature that taught about a daughter of Abraham, which was a metaphor for the entire people of the nation. If you happen to have one of those Bibles with an apocrypha attached, you'll see that in 4th Maccabees. With this in mind, can the members of your church come in any state and be free to worship? Can you make space in your worship to allow Jesus to do great things in the deepest part of your being? Can you safely bring your depression and every part of your mental state into that environment and give space for Jesus to take notice of you? Can you bring your shortcomings and failures? Can you bring your fears and anxieties knowing Jesus can minister powerfully in the gathered setting? I love the James chapter 5 take on this area of church life where we see a rather safe and free environment laid out for us. It says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make them well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring them back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the way of error will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Friend, daughter of Abraham, believer in Jesus. You have permission to bring all that burdens you to the presence of Jesus so that you can find the rest you really need. Let me encourage you to follow the lead of James. If you are happy, sing with everything you've got. If you are sick, get someone to lay hands on you. If you are troubled in any way, receive prayer from the elders of your church. If you're in a state of sin that you really want to be free of, find a safe person in your congregation with whom you can come clean. But I am saying all this with one last appeal. Are you perhaps self-identifying as a synagogue ruler as you consider this passage? Have you lost sight of what should happen as you gather? Have you gotten more enamored with order and reverence and the extra-biblical rules of the gathering that you are part of or lead? Can I challenge you to actively look for ways in which people can experience genuine release from their burdens in your midst? Can I call on you to extend greater permission for things to get a little more messy if they need to be for that to happen? The daughter of Abraham needs rest. That means those present and those still to come. What better place to find it each week than that weekly setting where Jesus is present and in focus by all who are there. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to put up a rating and even a comment if your platform allows for it, as this will help others know what to expect. I look forward to catching up next time.